You're listening to a message from Micaiah Ermler, lead pastor of Southridge Church in San Jose, California. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we hope you will stay connected with Southridge by liking us on Facebook or by following us on Instagram and Twitter. Search for the handle at Southridge Now and click the follow button so you can receive uplifting, encouraging content right in your feed. Thanks again for listening. And now, here is Pastor Micaiah. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord in this place? Powerful. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Welcome to Southridge Church. We're excited to see each and every one of you that are here this morning. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Sunday worship service. If this is your first time at Southridge, I'm so excited to see you. Near you, there's a little card. It's called our Connect Card. I would love for you to take that card and to fill it out. Maybe you're a regular tender. Maybe you've been coming off and on. Maybe you have a prayer request. You want to join Growth Tracks join a ministry team, or you want to be a part of those that today they've said yes to Jesus and they're going to go public with their faith. And after our service, they're going to be baptized. And you might be sitting here saying, yeah, I've said yes to Jesus. I, I've repented of my sin. I've done that. I've, I, I, yes. Okay. But I've never been baptized. And you say, hey, yeah, I, I hear you want us to get baptized. That's good. But I don't have a change of clothes. I didn't bring anything with me. Don't worry. I have a pair of changed clothes for you. You say, yeah, but I'm not your size. I'm not as small as you are. I'm a regular size human being, not this little kitty size. You're like fun size, and I need normal size. Don't worry. We have different sizes over there, okay, on the table. You just, you just grab it, and then during the invitation, you go and get baptized. That's one thing our church wants to see. People find and follow Jesus, and baptism is that next step. If you've said yes to Jesus, your next step is baptism. So today... Don't wait. Today is that day. So if you want to get baptized, get baptized today. Don't wait. Also, if uh, you're a second time attender, man, we'd love to know about that. Fill out the card. Maybe you got a prayer request. You want to join life, you know, life group or something like that. This is our way of staying connected. As our church grows, this is how we know what's happening in the church. So fill that out. And if this is your first time, well, we want to welcome you. We want to give you a gift. You can take that card. You can drop it in the offering plate as it's passed. Or you can stop by. We've got a kind of a connect center with some uh, tables that where we have a gift for you. We would love to give you a gift this morning. Just a way of saying thank you for being in our services this morning. Well, we're going to have a great service together. I'm excited what God is doing. Today we kick off a brand new series entitled Believe. This is going to be the theme for our new year, 2021. And so as we prepare our hearts to hear a message, let's turn our attention towards the screen. It's no secret that the last few years have been difficult for our community. Many of us have struggled with isolation, the uncertainty and the constant change. And the new normal just doesn't feel normal. And while many businesses have gotten used to the changes, our community hasn't. It seems that now more than ever, there's a need for a safe place for people from all backgrounds to gather. And we believe that our church can be that place. Our church is not just a spiritual country club. Our church cares about our community. We don't want the community to build the church. We want the church to build the community. And we want to do this in very practical ways. We want to have some after-school programs for teens and young adults. We want to have affordable daycare, office space for parents that they can come and 
have a great place with high-speed internet to do their work in a state-of-the-art facility, an auditorium for community social events, want to see a playground and basketball courts and places where people can gather in a cafe with a coffee shop. You see, our church loves to serve. We have a reputation for serving. Many of us know our church from our Christmas tree giveaways, our backpack outreach. All throughout the pandemic, we did a pop-up pantry. You know us from our epic Easter health and fitness clinics. Our church isn't waiting to serve. We've already been serving. Southridge is doing ministry out of 16 different locations. Meeting at a hotel ballroom, conference rooms, office space, other churches, schools, homes, restaurants. And we just want to do ministry at a higher level. And so when we found Piercy Road, it was the perfect place to begin to have our very own church home. It's located off the 101 and 85 freeway. So it's kind of in the heart of our community. And we know that this spot is perfect to build a place, not just for our church, but also to help and benefit our community. It's more than just a dream and a vision to build this church home. We believe it's a calling, not just for us, but for our community, to help us find healing and wholeness after the last several difficult years. And we believe it's on this property that we're gonna build a beautiful auditorium, office space, basketball courts, daycare, shared office space, cafe, amphitheater, a dog park, a place for our community to gather, where people can find joy and health and strength, where the atmosphere around it is gonna be one of excitement and anticipation because there's a place for them where once there's a vacant field, now there's a place where their family and friends can gather and not only just be helped and encouraged, but have their lives forever changed. So, would you partner with us to build this new church? Amen. Good morning. Great to see everybody. Looking forward to a great time in God's Word. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter number 4. Excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. We're going to begin a new series entitled Believe. And I love this idea, especially not only for the holidays, but also for the new year. And so we're going to just have a great time in God's Word together. Uh, Today is a special day, not only because it's baptism, but also we're going to be just kind of recapping what God did on this past Friday at our Vision Gala. Uh, 76 people were able to attend our Vision Gala, which is just a, uh, an amazing, amazing night together. Uh, just to not only get to uh, dress up and get to have our pictures taken, enjoy a good meal, but also to cast a little vision, see what God has in store for us for the new coming year. And one of the phrases where we kicked off the series or really the vision gala was this word believe and has this idea that has to do and is based out of Romans chapter number four verse 17 and when I heard the verse it just struck me because I had never heard it that way I never looked at it in that light and it's speaking about Abraham who if you've been in church or you've grown up in Sunday school, you know that he was old and uh, that he was well past the years that he should be having children, as well as his wife, Sarah. She was 89 and he's in his late 90s, but God had given them a promise that they would have children and that they would have, uh, really, the descendants would be like the stars of the sky and the sand of the seashore. And so God had made this promise, but the promise still hadn't happened yet all those years later. And I love the verse because it says, and the God who calls things that do not exist as if they do. And that little phrase just stuck with me. 
the God who calls things that do not exist as if they do. And so in this new season, we kind of live in a culture that kind of tells you, hey, I need to see it to believe it. I need to see it to believe it. You could call it maybe more of like the Didymus generation or the Doubting Thomas generation. I'm not going to believe that Jesus is resurrected from the tomb unless I see the print of the nails in his hand and unless I touch the side where the spear went in. We live in that kind of a generation, especially in the church, where people, instead of taking bold steps of faith, believing that God will meet them there, instead we hold back. And we're like, wait a minute, I want to see God come through first, then I'll move. Imagine if Peter said, all right, Jesus, make the water look solid, then I'll step out on it. It's not what Jesus did. Imagine if David said, okay, uh, I'm going to go fight Goliath. I'm going to go take him down, but first make it easy for me and, uh, you know, make him really weak, really slow. and make, Basically kind of make sure he's, he's almost half dead by the time I face him, you know, just make this easy on me. And that's not, not what God did. Uh, when the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were going to stand and not bow down to the idol, uh, they didn't say, hey, you know what, hopefully, hopefully the fire is just a little fire. You know, more of those like Netflix fireplaces, you know, not, not really a literal burning fiery furnace. Maybe it's just like a TV screen, and then, then maybe I'll stand for God. That's not what God did. You see, they believed, and then they saw the miracle happen. We've said it like this, that God's favor follows our faithfulness, that we as a church are going to step out and we're going to go for first. And we're going to see what God wants to do as we believe. And so in this age where it appears that Christianity is more of an accessory to our lifestyle than a necessity to our lifestyle, we need a generation of Christians that once again believe. Amen. Because it's one thing that you and I wear a little cross around our neck it's one thing to have a John 3.16 bumper sticker. It's another thing entirely that we truly live a lifestyle that says, no, I believe, so I'm willing to do whatever God calls me to do. So if I have to stand for God and it's going to cost me everything, so be it. I'll do whatever it takes, even if I may, may embarrass myself by witnessing my coworker who he, he doesn't want to hear anything about it. No, I have a calling. Oh, I'm going to live different. I'm going to act different because Christianity is no longer an accessory. And if we want the world to see that it's not just an accessory, that it's truly a necessity, it's going to take a church that really believes what the, God, what the God of the Bible says. Because our Bible tells us that my God will supply all your needs. God takes care of us, but we have to believe that he will. And that's where the, the mix-up, that's where it gets difficult, isn't it? But I also love this idea of believe because it's the holidays, so for whatever reason, it's, a, it's just kind of in the air, right? It's that Christmas spirit, that uh, uh, Christmas miracle. You can believe all, anything can happen, right? Miracle on 34th Street kind of belief, right? So it's a little bit easier this time than any other time, but I don't want this theme of believe just to stay with us in December. I want this to be our theme going into this new year of uh, 2022. And so we're looking forward to what great things God has in store for us. So if you would, would you take your Bible and let's look at, really, I want to go through this passage of Scripture together if we can. And we'll begin in verse number 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. This is the Apostle Paul. He's speaking here. And he's giving kind of a backdrop of everything that he has suffered and why he suffered. Because Paul knew how to suffer for Christ. Notice what he says in verse number 1. It'll also be on the screen. 
Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, And notice this, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. We also believe, and therefore speak. I love that right there, that little word. It said he believed, then he spoke. His belief went first, and his belief motivated him to speak. Everything he's talking about, he's saying, hey guys, how how was it that I was willing to suffer so much? How was it that I was willing to be pressed? How was it that I was willing to go under extreme pressure? That I was willing to be crushed? That I was willing to endure suffering? He said, because of what I believe in. His belief influenced his behavior. We live in a culture where Christianity is an accessory, not a necessity. Paul is saying, hey, this is the whole reason I can keep going is because of Christ. The reason I was able to do all these things, the reason I was able to endure hardness and endure the suffering is because I believe. And out of that belief, I was able to speak. He was speaking about the resurrected Savior. That's what he was willing to speak about. You and I, we believe in our sports team, so we talk, talk about them. Unless you're a 49ers fan, and then you're just like, no, 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 no I'm not going to talk about it. Or unless, you know, you, your team's not doing good, then you don't want to talk about it. But there's, there's, when things are going well, you want to talk about things that are going well. When they're not, you don't. But here, Paul, he's saying, no, I'm going to talk about Christ. Christ has done some amazing things. And I love how he talked about Christ. He said, we have received this ministry. It was a ministry of mercy. And he says, we've renounced those hidden things. The, the apostle is saying that when I would speak, I would speak out of God's mercy for me. But God has been so good you see Paul was able to move forward because of a vision that he had a vision of a resurrected Christ and if you're taking notes God's voice is to be the source of our vision 
God's voice is to be the source of our vision. We live in the Silicon Valley, and this is probably one of the most amazing places with some of the most visionary leaders that have come out of the Silicon Valley. And it's just kind of neat to just be around this place and to know of so many people that have influenced the world and continue to do so out of this place. But ultimately, all of those visionaries pale in comparison to where we ultimately get our vision, and our vision comes from God's voice. You say, Pastor, but I don't, I don't hear necessarily God's voice audible voice no but God gave us his word and that's what the apostle Paul moved on therefore since we have this ministry we've received it this is something that we've gotten from God in verse 2 he says but we have renounced the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully he's saying hey I, I made sure that not only did I receive this in mercy but I handled this word with integrity God gave him a vision and God was that source I shared on Friday that our church has a vision. We have a vision to build a property, to build a place where God's people can meet and also where people that do not know God can also meet and find God. We have a vision as a church. But I also shared on Friday that if we're just going to build a building because we think San Jose needs another building, let's not build it. San Jose doesn't need another church building. You can Google churches in San Jose, and there's over 2,800 churches in San Jose proper. 2,800. I don't know if San Jose actually needs another church, if we're just going to be like every other church. If we're just going to be another church that's barely running anybody, doesn't really open our doors to the hurting and those that don't know Christ, if we're just going to be like every other church, then I don't want to ask you to donate and to give and to sacrifice for just to be like everybody else. We don't want to be a church that doesn't care about the lost around the world. We don't want to be another church that just says, oh, okay, well, we just need to have a nice building to keep God's people nice and comfortable and happy. That's not why... Christians exist. Understand, the building we're going to build is a utility. It is not a luxury. It's going to serve a purpose. It's going to serve a purpose that you and I can reach our neighbors and our coworkers, and we could say, hey, we are already doing ministry, but we want to do it at the next level, and having a building of our own allows us to do that in a greater place. If you were here on Friday night, you heard some of the most beautiful singing you've probably ever heard in a long time. And I was just thinking, man, if we only had a bigger building to house that big voice. The person is a small person, but that voice was, wow, blew us away. It's incredible. But understand, we're not just trying to build a mausoleum to just God's people. We can just do a little holy huddle. No, no, no. There are people that don't know Christ that we want them to know Christ. And that's why we're going to build it. It's not really for us. We will enjoy it. We will use it. But guess what? The carpet's going to get stained. The paint's going to get chipped. There's going to be some knocks and there's going to be some dings. But we're building a different type of church because we're building it for those who aren't yet here. That's what we're building. That's where our vision is. And our vision comes from God, who in the word says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all might come to repentance. That's God's will. And God is going to use you and I to accomplish that will, to go into the, all the world and preach the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to tell others, to tell our coworkers, our friends, our family members that Jesus Christ saves. That's why we want to build it. So when we give, we give because we want to do it for God. When we serve, we serve because we're doing it for God. Don't ever serve and say, oh, I did it for Micaiah. Don't ever do it for me. 
I will make you mad. I will disappoint you. I will frustrate you. And then you'll be like, I can't believe I did it for him. Don't ever do it for me. Don't put a dime in the offering if you think you're doing it for me. Don't serve in rich kids if you think you're doing me a favor. Don't. God wants people that do it cheerfully. God wants people that do it for him and him alone and for his honor and his glory. So what we are doing is really all about for God. We're trying to make sure that he is lifted up in this place. We want to build it for the Lord. Because if it's not going to be for God, then it really doesn't matter. Amen. It doesn't. We want to see a new type of place. But a visionary. Apostle Paul is laying out a vision of what God had given him, how he can endure these hard trials, these difficulties. My wife and I re recently watched a uh, documentary on a uh, Silicon Valley tech entrepreneur. Uh, it's kind of been in the news, so you may be familiar with Elizabeth Holmes. You're hearing the trial that's going on in San Jose right now. She uh, launched a company called Theranos. She's a Stanford, uh, didn't graduate, but she was a Stanford student. Launched this company and had a lot of funding, took off. But come to find out, this person was embezzling money, wasn't uh, uh, honest about what she was doing. And now she's going to court for it. But what was so fascinating about the documentary is because she wanted to embody uh, the look and the style and the feel of a visionary. So she even would change her voice. She would talk real low. I was like, oh, that's weird. She would dress all in black because she heard that other visionaries would just wear one outfit. She was trying to copy and imitate a visionary, but didn't have her own vision. And you and I, we may try to do that. Oh, I'm just going to copy somebody else's vision. But that's not what God wants for us. God wants our vision to come from his voice and say, God, what is the vision that you have? I don't want my own vision. I want your vision. I want something that comes from God, even though it may scare me. That's what I want. So Paul, he preached humbly here. He preached out of mercy and he preached honestly. Paul was saying, I'm not going to mix this message I'm not going to mix it with something else that's a little bit more palatable. We live in a culture now that wants to have a message that is mixed with all kinds of other things to make it a little bit more relevant, a little bit more palatable. The Apostle Paul said, no, I'm going to preach with integrity. I'm going to preach the full gospel. I'm going to preach exactly what God gives me. And we as a church, that's what we're going to do. We are building a church that some people may not like. And I know that may be offensive to you. There may be some people because of what we believe based on scripture, not because we're trying to be mean, not because we're trying to be rude, not because we're trying to offend some people. Just know that when you stand on truth, that offends people. Truth is offensive to people. But I like what a great old preacher once said by the name of Charles Spurgeon. He said this, a popular lie will eventually take place of an offensive truth. I said, what a prophet. Because that's exactly what's happened today. We live in a culture where a popular lie has taken the place of authentic truth or offensive truth. And some of us are more comfortable with a popular lie. And we can't handle an offensive truth. And the scripture is offensive. It's offensive that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to heaven. It only comes by Jesus. And that is offensive to most of the world. It's not inclusive enough. It's exclusive. And so we have a vision and it comes from God. But notice this. A person without a vision is a slave to their reality. Notice if you would, verse 3 and 4. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God uh, of this age has blinded, 
Notice the word God is smaller g, the God of this age. There's not just one God, there's smaller gods who think they are a deity who are working to blind the minds and hearts of those of this age. And he's working overtime. So many people think, well, your belief has blinded you. Some of you may have family members that think it's crazy you go to church. They're like, you're blinded by your belief. You're just blinded by it. But what this scripture is actually pointing out is you are not blinded by your belief. If you do not believe, you are blinded. Notice what the verse says. Let's read it one more time. It says, even if our gospel, if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. It's, it's, a, it's a blinded. They can't see. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe. If you do not believe, you're blinded from being able to believe. We live in a culture that now is blinded so they can't even believe the truth. And that's Satan's job because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. His job is he wants to keep San Jose blinded from the truth. This is why you're witnessing to coworkers. You're just like, it's so clear. It's right out there in front of them, and they don't see it. And you're just like, oh, banging your head against the wall because you're like, how did they not get it? Because there is a small G-O-D God who is blinding. Satan doesn't want people going to heaven, doesn't want them in a loving Christian church. He doesn't want them to have a thriving, healthy marriage. No, no, no. He wants to destroy this next generation. And he is using and sowing discord and division and false doctrine. And he's also using the church to preach a message that is so palatable and it's so vanilla and it's so easy to live uh, this this quasi-Christian life that really isn't Christian. When you boil it down, you're like, I don't know really what you actually believe. And that can be uncomfortable when somebody asks you a question. What do you really believe? Because right now, people actually don't want you to believe anything. They want you to have no beliefs. You just need to adopt everybody's beliefs. So if they're Muslim, oh, yeah, you should take that on. If they are Baha'i, oh, yeah, you should take that on. They're Buddhist, take that on. Uh, well, they're, they're whatever, just keep taking it all, all of it, all of it, all of it. That's what our culture is doing right now. But then when you and I say, no, 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 there is truth. I'm not blinded. My eyes are open. I'm going to follow the truth. So understand, if you don't have this vision, you're going to be blinded. A person without a vision is a slave to their reality. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But you could invert that verse and say, where there is vision, the people, vision, the people flourish. And God has given our church a vision. It's not my vision. Don't ever say that's Micaiah's vision. Because I've told you so many times, my vision was a horse ranch in Carmel and vineyards. That's my vision. My vision was not this. I wanted to do something else. And God hijacked my vision. So don't say, okay, let's go build Micaiah's little building. Let's go do it. It's not for me. And if you ever think it is, don't give to it. Don't invest in it. Because whatever man builds will fall. It's like a sandcastle that the waves will come in and wash it away. But we are building on rock. We are building on Christ. This is his church. It's not mine. It's not yours. It is his. And upon this rock, I will build my church is what the Bible says. And that's what we're building. So don't think, okay, let's get behind this guy's vision. No, no, no. I am listening to God. God gives me the vision and I'm just bringing it to you. And if God lays on your heart to do something about it, then praise the Lord. And if he doesn't, that's fine. You just pray for us. You just pray for us. You say, oh, yeah, I can get, I'll, I'll be praying. There once was a church that was thriving. 
They were seeing souls saved, people baptized. Their Sunday school groups were growing. They were reaching people. And they put that verse, they, they, they had somebody make, make the verse, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. And they had that up there and they put the letters up there and they had the letters custom made. It was all there. But then over the process of time, the church began to wane. The fires of revival began to cool. The passion for God began to dissipate. And slowly over time, the church began to dwindle in size until they closed the doors and locked them for the last time. A member who was just a small child when he was attending the church in its heyday was passing through the town where the church was, so he decided to go look in on the old church. And he went and found the church, and there it was, dilapidated, weeds growing up in the parking lot, the windows broken out by vandals. You could tell a homeless person made a camp in there, and it was kind of burned out. And he went to the door that was padlocked, but he noticed somebody had left it ajar. It was, it was pulled ajar, and so he could kind of see through the cracks and look in. And he made his way into the building, and there was the sanctuary that once where they sang those powerful worship songs, where people began to come to the altar and receive Christ and receive help and receive hope. And then he looked up where it said, Proverbs 29 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. But one letter had fallen off. The W had fallen down. So it no longer said, where there is no vision, the people perish. It now said, here there is no vision, the people perish. We need a vision from God, and it comes from the voice of God. You need a vision for your marriage, and it comes from God. God will tell you what he wants for your marriage. You need a vision for your children. He, God will tell you, and you got to hear from God's voice. Don't wait till Sunday for 35 minutes to hear from God's voice. You say, Lord, every day I want to hear from your voice. I want the vision directly from you. It's like when you're going to buy bread from a baker. You don't want yesterday's bread or last week's bread unless you're really on a budget. Then you'll do that. You want fresh, hot bread. It's like when you go to Krispy Kreme, the hot sign. That's what you want. You're like, man, I want that, that, that basically diabetes syrup I just want that hot and burning that's what I want I want it fresh and we should say God I want to hear it from you it's great that you come on Sundays it's wonderful that you come on Sundays but you need to learn how to feed yourself a person without vision for their future will always return to their past you need a vision for your future don't just wait on the church Building the building, building the campus is God's vision for our church family. Don't co-opt it as your life vision. God has a vision for each and every person here. And it is big, and it'll take everything you've got, and it'll take all your energy and resources to accomplish it, but it's going to take a lifetime's pursuit. But so many Christians are going to do this, and I'm going I'm to forecast something. I'm going to hate to say prophesy, but I'm going to speak something out there. There are going to be people that'll say, yeah, I used to go to Southridge. Yeah, I helped build that. I helped do that. Yeah, I did that. Oh, yeah, what are you doing now? Ah, you know, yeah, you know, just I'm around. They got really good live stream. I might catch it every once in a while. The pastor's lost all his hair. His pants are still too tight. I don't know what's up. Every once in a while, still catch it. Wait a minute, so you're, so you, you helped, that was all your vision was? 
And once you accomplish it, you thought you're done, check out. If you are still breathing, you have life in your lungs, you got a pulse, God has a vision for your life. Yes, this may be part of that vision, but this isn't the culmination of that vision. God has so much more than this. Because remember, this is God's church, not yours. I love that we take ownership for it, but God will build his church. He will build it. But you're still called to build your marriage. You're still called to build your children. You're still called to reach your Jerusalem. That's on you. And so many people will kind of just say, well, I built, I built that church over there. Isn't that good? I've noticed this. I've noticed this. Sometimes it's easier for God's people to say, can I just give you some money and not really get involved? Can I just can I throw some money at the problem? Can I just kind of do that? No. No. God wants people that have a vision for so much, something so much bigger. But then I got to hit this. I got to hit this. Notice if you would, verse number seven. He said, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You know why people leave churches? Because there's no more power in the church. Because they were like, yeah, I tried it. It was cool. The hype was cool. But no, no. We need the power of God in the church. The power of God that breaks addictions off your life. The power of God that takes a divorcee and brings them back together. The power of God that allows you to overcome things that you think you'll never overcome. The power of God that allows you to find that freedom. The power of God that does things that are truly miraculous, where we see real miracles, where we see God doing things. That's what the world needs to see. But many times we're intimidated and we, we wonder at this verse. And then I, I begin to dive into it. You see, in ancient times, there were different vessels. There were different, there were different jars in ancient world. Sometimes they'll still find some of these that they'll discover. And they'll discover that there are some jars that are made out of glass. Some jars that are made out of gold. Some that are made out of silver. Some that will be made out of an ancient type of china. And then there was the most basic common jar, and that was the clay jar. They were the common jar. Nothing fancy. This is the equivalent of today's Tupperware. That you just, ah. I got some leftover food you'd put in a jar, and here you go, take it home. You know, wash it, return it with something. You know, it's what a good neighbor does. And came back with that jar, but the thing about these jars, they would get cracked pretty easily. They were the most common, most basic, and they were the cheapest. And here's what's amazing. Some of us think we are so great, and Paul says we hold this treasure in earthen jars, the most basic, not a gold jar, not a china jar, not a nice jar, the most basic common jar. And for some of us, this is a little bit humbling. For others of us, we feel exactly that. You're like, I already know I'm, I'm kind of not that great. I already struggle with that. I can't really do anything for God because I feel like this earthen jar. And here's what Paul is trying to remind us of. That though there are several ancient jars, the most important thing is not the container, it's the contents. But we live in a culture that is fixated on containers and not content. We live in a culture that says, how do you dress on Sundays? Yeah, that means you're a good Christian. 
We live in a culture that now says, what does your Instagram, Snapchat look like? That means you're popular or your life is going well. And we don't look at content. We just look at containers. We're measuring each other by our containers. Hey, you got a nice container. Hey, I see you working on your container. That's a great container. But it's a really foolish idea. Let me illustrate. July 2008 was an amazing month for me. Because I proposed to Jane Antry Morton Anonymousson. And we went to Yosemite. I did not plan the day very well. Because I took her to go get sushi. And I also had a really new car that I wanted to drive fast up windy roads. Yes, thank you. Somebody else, you know. So I wanted to impress this person I'm about to propose to. So I'm driving up these roads and I'm just having a great time because this is V8 supercharged. I was like, let's go. And she's just in the back. And my brother and my future sister-in-law were also with us. So mom and dad, we were chaperoned. And uh, so we're driving up the roads. My parents, my in-laws are here. Thank God for them. Love them. Uh, we're driving up these roads and Jane's just like, oh, we got we to gotta pull over. She gets out and she, yeah, I, I drove way too fast. We make it up there, we go to dinner, and I had everything planned out. I was like, we're gonna be at the Yosemite Falls just at dusk, and man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna propose to her. And there it was, we're at the falls, the water's coming down. You could see the sunlight hitting uh, the, the, the waterfall, so it was creating a cascade of colors, and it was beautiful. And there I go, reaching my pocket, and I get down on one knee. Oh man, I open the box, and the sunlight hits the ring made it look bigger than it really was so good yes and then I handed it to her and we shook hands dad we didn't kiss uh, and then she took the box she took the ring threw the ring and was like wow this is a beautiful box you think she did that no it was a beautiful box. She still has the box. <laughs> but the more important thing is the ring. But as Christians, God calls us earthen vessels. And we spend more time on the container than we do the content when the content is Christ. And you and I are taking the ring out of the box, throwing it away, and like, well, it's all really about this container. Let me get cleaned up. Let me act right and do this. And Paul's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You are just a container. It's all about Christ. And some of us were the other way where we feel like we're cracked and we're dysfunctional. And I got to be careful about that word cracked. There's a new generation that cracked actually means good. I can't keep up with it. But if you say your child saying, oh, man, you are cracked at that, they actually are complimenting you. So don't think you've lost it up here. They're just saying, I know, I know. I'm here to help you guys. All right. Okay. It's all right. All right. Uh, we're working on this together. And you feel cracked and you're like, God, I'm dysfunctional and I'm broken. And God is like, yes, that's so more of me can shine forth through you. That's so I can do work because it's not about you. It's about me. And God is doing a work. We should stop and give God some praise because God doesn't mind being inside of us. Think about that. If you're God, you're wanting a nicer vessel. The owner of my gym is here. He's ripped. He's buff. I'm like, God, you know, you couldn't have done me a favor and like give me a little bit bigger buffer body. Like, really? This is the container you want? 
You know, like, mm. It's like growing up. You remember your parents always had that ghetto car that they drove you everywhere in? And you're like, drop me off around the corner because I don't want to be seen in this car. Aren't you grateful God doesn't say, I don't want to be seen in this body? Like, thank God that God didn't say, I don't want to be seen in you. I don't want to be seen in you. We did it to our parents and our kids do it to us, but thank God he didn't do it to us. That God says, yes, you are a cracked vessel. You are a broken, dysfunctional vessel. But it's I'm the glory. It's all about the content. And that's what our church is. I thank God for the people that come to Southridge, not because we always have the best of everything. I thank God that people see beyond all that. They see beyond the superficial. And that's really what it is. You can have church in a parking lot at Oak Grove High School because we've done it. You can have church in a parking lot at the Wyndham Garden Hotel because we've done that. You can have church at a drive-in movie theater because we did that. You can have church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon because we did that. Last minute, it's changed to 5. We, we've done it. And I thank God for the people that just said, yeah, let's do it. I thank God for the people that weren't looking for the world's greatest youth group. I thank God for the people that say, hey, we're building a worship team. We're building a children's ministry. We are building a church. We now live in a culture that kind of has this entitlement. You ever met this the couple, they get married and they kind of expect to have everything their parents have after 30 years of marriage. They kind of expect to have the house, have the furniture, have all the toys, the cars. And you're like, no, you need to have some milk crates as a table for a season. Build some character. You need to sleep on an air mattress. Hug each other to stay warm. That's a good season. But we live in a season in a generation where people, they don't want to let God shine forth. But then, as we close, notice verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed, and therefore I spoke. Paul said, hey, you know, all of it boils down to this. And this is important, church, and we need to get this. Your vocabulary is just as important as your vision. He had a vision, but his vocabulary matched his vision. He said, I believed in my vision, and my vocabulary came in line, and I spoke with my vision. God will give you a vision, and some of you are like, nah, that can't happen. Wait a minute, was it from God? Then it can happen. So your speech should be in alignment with that vision. I'm not a word of faith, name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it guy. But I am a guy that says if God said it, that settles it. We're going to take that to the bank. That if God gave us the vision, it's from him. My vocabulary is going to match that vision. So I'm not, if I want a strong and healthy marriage, it does me no good to constantly cut her down. But why do we do it to God? Oh, I don't know if God can come through. I don't know if God can do this. Your vocabulary doesn't match your vision. You wonder why your marriage is dysfunctional, check your vocabulary. You wonder why things aren't going well with your children, check your vocabulary. It's amazing. The Bible even tells us death in life is in the power of the tongue. James talks about it's a world of iniquity that no man can tame. And yet it has so much power. And we don't understand that every time you meet a visionary, their vocabulary is different. But why is it we don't have enough Christians that have a different vocabulary? 
And I'm not just saying, well, you don't tell a bad joke and, and you just make sure you never swear. I'm talking about a faith-filled vocabulary that says, oh, I already see the property there. I already see it. I already see people getting baptized. Oh, I already see cars pulling into that parking lot. It's not because, oh, I've said it. That's speaking something out there into the universe. That's not what it is. It's I'm trying to align something in my heart. I'm trying to bring something in my heart to align it. Because here's what I've noticed about my dumb brain. My dumb brain doesn't know that it's not real. But I start speaking it, and all of a sudden, I can say, hey, you know what? This is a great workout. I can't wait to do this workout. All of a sudden, the workout's not as hard. Oh, man, I love pulling the weeds. This is great to pull the weeds. All of a sudden, it's not as bad. Your brain doesn't know better. And it's not just our brain. It's our heart. And so you will meet a visionary, and you will see that their vocabulary is different. So what are you speaking about the vision God has given you? And this is powerful. In Matthew 13, 15, 58, it says, Jesus could not do mighty works because of their unbelief. Some of your lack of faith and lack of belief is really based on your vocabulary. You just don't speak enough faith in your life. You don't go to God and say, Lord, I know you can do it. On Friday night, our church, we gathered because we said we want to raise $1.5 million because we want to pay the remaining balance of $625,000 off on the land. We said that's a goal we want to do at our Vision Gala. But in September, I started wrestling with some things that God was convicting me about in my prayer life. And I began to pray and say, God, you can do immeasurably more than I ask, think, or imagine. So began to pray about some things. Begin to specifically pray that God would do specific miracles where God would just show up where it doesn't make sense. It just wouldn't happen if God didn't do it. And so Friday night, to the glory of God, we told the church that, hey, we got to pay off that land and then we got to raise some money. We got to go build a building. But the surprise that uh, myself and uh, the trustees knew is the fact that exactly four weeks prior to our vision gala, God had already paid it off. He did it. God already did it. I didn't sell a kidney on the black market to do it. God showed up. But God didn't just show up in special ways where it's like, okay, church, uh, now we're broke and we can't pay anybody. We can't pay the rent. No. I shared with the church, we still have six months reserve. We still have money in the building fund and we still have money in the general checking. So God took and exceeded our expectation. And this is paid $625,000. Church, do you understand our yearly budget is about $535,000? We bought the land, but then God allowed us to pay it off five years early. Do you know how much money we saved in interest payments? We saved $100,000 in interest payments by paying it off. That is awesome what God is doing. God is building his church. And on Friday night, if you weren't here, we burned the note. We're not going to burn this one. You'll have to watch the video. I only had one copy. But God is building his church, and he's using his people to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or think. And so when God did that one miracle, God did a second miracle on Friday night. We made some commitments, some pledges. Some people gave the night of. Some people made some commitments, and we had what are called our pledge cards, and they're there on your seat. You can take a look at it. You can grab it. 
And we had everybody take out a pledge card. And we had everybody fill out their name and pray about an amount that they were committing to give. Maybe it was a one time. Or maybe as they were going to commit like Jane and I do, we give one time and then we also give every single month. Just how we do it. It's how God laid it on our heart. You do what God laid. You, your vision comes from the voice of God. Amen. You listen to his voice. And so we filled this out. We prayed over it. And then the ushers in the back, they counted it up. They came back. And here's what's awesome. On Friday night, through pledges and one-time gifts, we raised $816,000. Is that incredible or what? Just amazing. Incredible. Our goal is $1.5 million. Now, I shared this, and, I, and I'll tell you this truthfully. You know the Bay Area. If you've lived here any length of time, $1.5 million barely buys you a house in the Bay Area. So how is it going to build an easily uh, $8, $10 million building? How, how is that going to do it? 10% down. I don't know. But I believe he can do it. I just believe he can do it. And I don't know when, I don't know how, but we're just keep taking those steps. Every little bit gets us that much closer that much closer to the vision that God has for us. So we're going to have a vocabulary that matches our vision. It's in God, you've given us something. We're going to claim it. We're going to prayer walk that property. Say, all right, God, you're going to, we need some dirt work. We need to have utilities. We need to, one thing after another. And God's going to come through. And I'm praying that our church would be a church that has 100% participation. So if you didn't have a chance to give, I'm going to invite you right now. Take out that card. Because I believe that each and every one of us can do something. And it, that something may simply be a hundred bucks. You say, hey, I could do a hundred bucks. Maybe you say, I could do a thousand. Or maybe you say, no, I could do 10,000. Everybody else is at some different financial ballpark of where you're at. But can I tell you, even if it's $10, that means just as much. If that's what God laid on your heart, $10 means just as much as any other amount. But I believe God wants us to all have a part in this vision. I believe that one day we're going to come back and be like, yeah, I had a part in that. That was pretty cool. It's pretty cool that, man, my coworker got saved at that building that I helped build. It's pretty cool to see what God has been doing, what God is building. And so you're going to have a chance. So what I want you to do is I want you to take this card home because next week is going to be our vision offering. So I'm going to invite you. If you're ready, you say, hey, no, I got an amount. I missed it Friday. I want to be a part of it. You can turn your card in today. It's perforated. You just fill it out bend it, and then tear it off and drop it in the offering basket. And we'll, we'll add it to the count because our goal is 1.5. So we are short $680,000. And isn't that amazing that the building last payment was $625,000? So God already provided one amount. God can continue to provide. And I'm just believing that God can. Here's the other thing. I thank God for the people in this room that you told somebody may not be a Christian about the vision. And sometimes people are like, yeah, I want to be a part of that. You'll notice even in the vi video, it's, it's got not exactly a lot of Christianese language. Do you know how many people that don't know the Lord that I'm having meetings with right now that I'm going to show that video to? Because they're not always going to understand salvation, baptism, but they understand, hey, a safe place for my kids to go? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I understand that. I can give that. We live in the Silicon Valley. One of the guys that I invited, he helped build the Apple building, the new building. He's like, we broke $15 million worth of glass. We broke 15 million. I was like, can I have the leftovers? Can I repurpose this stuff? I mean, you know, let's, is it in the trash somewhere? Me and Pastor Missile, we'll go get it. 
It, we'll have a glass building. I don't know what we need to do, but we want it. And he was just trying to encourage me. He was like, this valley, man, God can open up some extreme doors. Many of you do, may remember Pete when he spoke at our church. He came to me afterward. He's going to be the future president of the California Southern Baptist taking over for them. And he's like, hey, you know, uh, we're partnering with the church. You'll get a check from us this year and next year until the project's done. They represent about 4,500 churches. He said, hey, I'm going to go to them and just see what they can do. We're not in this alone. Just know that they see that six acres in the Bay Area. Yeah, we got faults. Yeah, it's on a hill. Yeah, it's all kinds of challenges. Yeah, it's going to be a real, it's going to test us. It's going to test us. But God knows what he's doing. He knows what he provided. He knows how he's going to stretch our faith. And God's going to send the right people at the right time to help us take these steps in this vision. And you can be a part of it. Ross, the guy who helped start Saddleback, he was one of the founding members that helped start it. He was spending time, just came up early, just so he could pray over our land. And he's just like, man, I'm just so excited what God is doing here. God is going to raise up the right people. You and I just say, Lord, I want to hear your vision. I want to hear your heart. I want to see what you have for us. And we just keep taking those steps. God is building his church. Our attendance has gone up. We were averaging 80 to 90 adults. Now we've grown by about 30 on a regular Sunday morning attendance since September. 30 more people. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for 30 more people. We're about to baptize some of those people today. That's exciting. Then the last five weeks, we'll baptize over 10 people. That's great. In the month of November, uh, October, we saw 18 people saved, seven of them baptized. In the month of November, we saw five people saved. You see, we're leading people to find and follow Jesus. You also don't know this, but we're onboarding a new children's director and a new worship director. We're onboarding part-time staff. God is getting us ready. God is building things up. God is preparing our church. It's exciting what God is doing. I'm grateful for it. I truly believe, like our sign says, the best is yet to come. And so as we take steps of faith, you take your card. If you're ready, you fill it out, you drop it in. If you're not, that's okay. You pray over it. It's not the amount. I know, I know people that they give large and small amounts. And I'm just as grateful for every single one of them. Your child can hand me a dollar and I, it's like a million bucks. Trying to get money from a little kid? That's a miracle. It's like, man... Zacchaeus got saved and my four-year-old got saved because, I mean, look at this. He's giving up money to the Lord. That you know God is working. Let's all stand as we close. Heavenly Father, give us a vocabulary of a visionary that speaks what you want. Lord, we want to be faithful. We want to see you do things that are immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine. But we want to do it the right way. We want to focus on the contents, not just the container. God, we just pray that you would just meet with us. I pray for those that are here that they need a vision, not just co-op the church's vision. They need a vision for their life. Would you speak to them? May they listen to the voice of God this week. And then, Father, I also just pray for those that don't know you this morning. Maybe they're a guest. Maybe they were brought here. But they feel you tugging at their heart. They know they're not saved. They know they need to say yes to you and repent of their sins. And so, Father, I just pray right now that you touch them. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if the Holy Spirit's been working in your heart and you say, I need to give my life to Christ, 
I want to say yes to Jesus. Is that you? You'd slip up your hand. Can I pray for you? Is that you? You say, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. If you do, you come see me. We have several that are going to prepare for baptism. So right now, I'm going to dismiss those that are going to be baptized this morning. You can be dismissed while our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But maybe you're here and you say, hey, I said yes to Jesus and I need to be baptized. I've never been baptized. You slip out as well. There's ladies at the back. They have a change of clothes for you. They got everything you need. And you slip out and you get baptized. You take that next step. And we're going to join you in just a moment. But you slip out and you prepare for baptism. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. We just pray that you would continue to build up this church. I want the Bay Area to be the new Bible Belt, Lord. We want to see a church that reaches thousands for Christ, sends missionaries and pastors, evangelists, entrepreneurs, business owners, teachers, technicians, engineers, startups. God, we want to impact the Bay Area. And we want to establish a beachhead, a point where we can take back ground from the devil, where we can turn this area around. This area is so sad. It's so disheartening. God, it just seems like Satan is winning on every front, stealing the minds and hearts of our children. Father, abortion's rampant. Sin and crime is rampant. And you are our only hope. We need you, God. We need you to step in. We pray for your mercy. We pray for your spirit. Pray that you would do a great work. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and as they do, there's a piece of paper on your seat, and I'm going to ask you to take a look at that. And the reason I'm going to ask you to hold that up is because some people, they don't mind giving towards a building project, but their heart is elsewhere. They want to see a little bit sooner impact. They want to see, hey, what's something I can take care of right now? And so we made a list of some things the church could just use right now. Uh, We'd love to get a real live stream equipment. And if you watch in live stream, I apologize. This is going to come to you a week late. Because Andrew shoots it on Sunday, edits it on Monday, and we upload it on Tuesday, ready for you to consume on Sunday. So you're always a week off. So I got people that are like, oh, man, that's great. You did this. And I was like, well, that was actually last week, you know. And then they come on Sunday, and it just messes everything up. And the second thing is, this is actually his camera equipment. It's not the church's equipment. It's his. He owns it all. And we want to start our own live stream where it's truly live, about $7,500 worth of equipment. And you say, hey, I'd like to see that accomplished. Maybe that's something you want to give towards or be a part of. Uh, you don't know this about our sound system, but in 2016, there was a church that closed uh, that was started in Campbell. They closed, and in 2017, January 2017, we bought most of their equipment. So what that means in the tech world is that we're going into 2020, so the equipment's a little over five years old because they bought it when they started their church in 2014. So actually, the equipment now is coming up on eight years old. So our equipment is at the point where it is duct tape, chewing gum, and prayed together every Sunday. And so there are some things about it that we just, we just, you catch it every once in a while. You're like, well, what happened there? We, we try to laugh it off, but it's just eight years old. And in the equipment world, it's just stuff wears out. Uh, setting stuff in and out, taking it in and out, it's just stuff breaks, things get loose. 
Uh, this is very sensitive equipment, actually, you know, and, uh, you know, all the containers and cases doesn't always like that. So there are several things we could use. Uh, this drum kit behind me, uh, this is a donation from DJ Curtis. He put this together for us back in the day, and uh, we were so grateful for him, so thankful, uh, and it served us well. Uh, but if you ask anybody who drums on it, they would love to see a new kit. Uh, video projectors, those are from 2016 as well. We'd love to replace those. Revamp our guest experience. Uh, what that really is, say, what is revamp guest experience? Uh, we give things away, uh, mugs and shirts and things like that. And so we'd like to, uh, we ran out. So if you're a first time guest, uh, I don't know what, <laughs> we may have put mints in your gift. I don't know what we gave you. Like, I think we went to my house and started digging around for loose change in the cushions. And you may have Legos, a half eaten lollipop in there. I don't know what we're giving out because we, God has been sending us people, y'all. And so we're out and it's the end of the year. We're like, well, the budget resets in four weeks. So we're going to wait four weeks. So we apologize, first time guests. We love you. Please come back when we get you a real good gift. Uh, and then Rich Kids, our, our new Rich Kids director is doing a fantastic job. We're revamping, and there's a lot that needs to be done. And you say, hey, I would rather give to a project that I could see just knocked out right away. There's something you can earmark it towards that would just some needs. And, um, you know, there's, a, there's things that maybe God puts on your heart. They just say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. You can do that aside. What I've been doing in recent years is everything that comes in for the Believe offering, that is earmarked for our building fund. And when I talk to our CPA, uh, if I try to borrow building fund to go buy projectors, that's illegal if we get audited. If you earmark it for building, it stays in the building. That's, that's why we have money in the building fund. Some people are like, well, we could do this. We could buy this. No, we can't actually. Some people are like, well, you have all this money in the bank. Why don't you just go buy that? Well, actually, it's weird. We're... We're land rich, cash poor. It's just the way it's designated. Anybody that's been in the finance world, you know how those things work. And then when it comes to our long-term savings, we don't touch that. That, that just kind of doesn't exist. You have a retirement. You have a long-term savings. You don't touch it because you want a new car. You want new toys. No, it's long-term. That's an emergency. And God was good. During COVID, we just kept, that kept growing. We didn't have to touch it. And so if you want to give to what we're calling passion projects, you could just earmark that. I was supposed to mention this on Friday. And then Angel, he's taken over as our worship leader. He came over, he's like, you didn't mention that. At, and we need new stuff now. And, and he, I was like, I'll, I'll get to it. I, I apologize. And he was like, yeah, this stuff is beyond broken, man. And it's, 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 it needs to be fixed. So uh, just pray over that and ask God what he would have you do. And uh, thank you so much for being here. Let me go over the announcements. And then actually, let's pray over the offering. And then we'll go over the announcements. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the day. We look forward to what great things you're going to do. Lord, would you bless the gift and the giver? Thank you that we can gather together this morning. I pray that now that we would be dismissed with your blessing. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, vision offering next Sunday. We're doing a toy giveaway. We have 500 toys that we're going to be giving away on the 19th. And this event, we're not going to actually advertise it. We want you to learn about evangelism. There's a card on your seat. It says believe on it. I want you to invite people, coworkers, friends, and tell them, bring your kids these are really nice gifts. We didn't go to the dollar store. These are super nice gifts. And right now, every child's going to get about 15 unless you bring kids. All right? And now, I don't use that as an incentive to not bring anybody. No, no, no. But on the 19th, we're going to be preaching a salvation message. Bring families and bring people here. Say, hey, all the children are going to get a couple of Christmas gifts wrapped and ready to go. So that's coming up. Lots of stuff coming up and baptism. So we have prayed. I've gone way longer than we need to. Uh, we're going to prepare to do baptism outside.
And so if you're able to stay, you want to join us, we're going to go into the pool area. We're going to watch the baptism. And then after that, you'll see that there's a coffee cart in the lobby. Yeah, yeah, it's really good coffee. Custom coffee. Uh, come back in if you could stick around at fellowship and have some coffee with us, okay? But right now, can we stand? Is God good? All the time. Amen. Well, we prayed. Let's be dismissed. We'll head on out at the back. If you could stay for baptism, wonderful. If you stay for coffee, great. God bless you. Have a wonderful day and a Merry Christmas. We'll see you next week. We hope you were encouraged by today's message from Pastor Micaiah. If it was a blessing to you, don't forget to share it with a friend or family member this week. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear them. Get in touch with us by visiting SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect. Again, that's SouthridgeSanJose.com slash connect.